Stand clear of the closing doors, please. What's up, locals? It's Mike and Kenzie coming to you live from the beautiful Truckee, California. I think this one might have killed any ad sponsorship from BetterHelp, Pornhub, and Pfizer, and I'm okay with that. Oh, definitely. In this episode, we talk about porn, dopamine, and Adderall. Let's buckle up, bitches. a very public trial it was the first of its kind where somebody who made memes was convicted and might be facing up to 10 years in prison wow that's misleading the, the first of its kind the first of its kind and it's from 2016 um, so douglas Mackey he got convicted of interfering with the 2016 election and he's a shit poster he's somebody who fucks with people online makes makes just silly Silly things where if you're educated and informed, you know it's a joke. And the reason that he got convicted and is now facing prison time is because during the 2016 election, he created a post for Hillary Clinton, and it was a text-to-vote campaign. And it's like, oh, do you want to vote for Hillary? We've made it so easy that you can text to vote. If you're a knowledgeable citizen, you know how to vote. You know you can't do that. It's right. not real. He tricked 4,900 people into doing it. Oh, my God gosh <laughs> so that's a lot of dumb people that's the thing is that 4900 dumb people try to text to vote and that was the grounds and evidence they used against him and said you were intentionally misleading the public and you intentionally tried to keep people from properly voting in our system You're taking when away people their texted to vote what happened so we set up like a actual number like a text number and it was, oh, thank you for voting for Hillary Clinton. Like, and it showed like not eligible in the following states. You can't do it in Puerto Rico, Hawaii, Mexico. He had a Spanish version of it, all of that. And 4,900 people fell for it. But where did their information go? I guess like what the is, void. it just went to the void. <laughs> it's a shit post. It was like, oh, it was also, there were other people that were telling people to show up on election day being November 4th or the day after on November 9th. Like, oh, come vote. Election day is November 8th. You try and go and vote November 9th, you can't do it. Right. But what I'm trying to understand is, was he doing it to stray votes away from Hillary Clinton? Of like, oh, if you text a vote, your vote actually counts and it's all good. Or was it like an actual joke? He made it look very, very believable. It looked very real. So is he blue or red? What do you think? Well, I would think he's red mm -hmm. because it seems like he's trying to get people to not actually vote for Hillary Clinton, to think that their vote actually counted, mm -hmm. while it also being a hilarious joke on dumb people. <laughs> I, I think his politics don't matter. I think what matters is that dumb people... Exist. ...got tricked. <laughs> they got tricked, and our justice system decided to go after him because he made a meme that tricked dumb people into not voting. Mm -hmm. it, I don't think the votes... Of, it could have been for Trump. I don't think that part mattered. 
I think it was the fact that 4,900 people were convinced I cast my vote. I did my civil duties, my civic duties. I'm a good citizen. I voted. But these dummies voted over text, and you can't do that. Yeah. So that raises, like, a bigger question to me. Number one, is that illegal, and should you be, like, held accountable for dumb people? I don't think so. So who's charging him? The United States government. Oh, the, the U.S. is charging him for... It's, it's a public case. It's the U.S. versus Douglas Mackey, and oh. he lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he has to go to jail for 10 years. He's facing up to 10 years. We don't know how bad it is yet, but he's been convicted. Like, a grand jury voted against him and said, yeah, man, you're, you misled the public. You tried to take away their voting rights. That's how they're calling it, too, is that you're trying to take away their right to vote. Yeah, but that, if they actually knew, they could still go vote. Correct. Yeah, I don't, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know about that. This is a really important thing, is that I think in order for you to vote, you should be an informed citizen. If you are uninformed, you should not vote, okay? And if you're flat out ignorant, and you think that you can text to vote, you probably should not breed. (laughs) So... (laughs) So take all of those things together. That weaseled out 4,900 people who should not have been casting votes. Right. I think that was more of like a general just let's let's test the waters, see who's going to fall for it. Okay, they fell for it. Those dummies should probably not be voting in our systems at all because they're uninformed and uneducated. Yeah, I think that it just exposes... Stupid people. <laughs> right. It gets a little deeper than that because at what point do you start holding people accountable for other people's dumb actions versus, okay, I did something, haha, I misled a group of people. Like, where's the accountability line? There's going to be suckers out there. You can't legislate against stupidity. Yeah. So, you were telling me that you deleted TikTok recently. Why'd you do that? I never feel good after I watch TikToks. Like, it doesn't bring me joy. It doesn't make me feel satisfied. Like, I always leave that app Mm -hmm. not feeling great about myself. And I don't know if it's like, it's not a a personal thing. It's more of a guilt feeling that I get. I don't know if it's because of the time that I spend on the app, what I'm consuming. But I just started to notice, like, this app really isn't good for me. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to... I just wanted to delete it. I didn't think I was necessarily having a problem with it. I wasn't watching TikToks all the time. But in the time that I was watching it, I just noticed that I never would feel great after. And so I deleted it about a week ago. And I have felt like I have a sense of peace now just throughout the day. It's really weird. I would watch at least one TikTok a day. Or just, or not one TikTok, but I would have one session of TikTok a day. One session of ticking and talking. And talking. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, after deleting it, I would, I would say that I just feel, I just feel better. I don't feel like I'm spending too much time on social media. I even put my phone, I'm starting to put my phone out in the living room mm-hmm. before we go to bed because I just don't want to be near it. I don't want to look at it before I go to bed. Yeah, that's what the TV's for instead. there's some irony there right but i think that social media like tiktok and instagram there's like some kind of weird content feedback loop that almost feels like it's squeezing your brain of all the dopamine that it can 
And by the time that you're really done with that TikTok session, that Instagram session, <laughs> by the time that you're done going through that session of like just doom scrolling, right? Mindlessly scrolling. <laughs> you have juiced your brain of dopamine and your brain is angry. Like it's upset. There's this feeling of guilt from wasted time. There's this sensation of like, I just fucking did nothing. I did nothing with my time but go, uh, Mindlessly scroll. scrolling. And that can be pretty emotionally agitating. And why can't you just watch one video? Have you thought about that? Like there why, are, why no, can't There are certain things. If you subscribe to some of the things that I subscribe to on Instagram, a lot of these like hardcore memes type shit, it's super cringy. And it's the most disturbing, like, fat furries getting married type stuff. Like, social commentary that's just, it's people putting their own videos out there. And I morally disagree with what's happening. And I will literally put my phone on and go, yep, I didn't need to see anything else after that. I need a break from that. And I get emotionally agitated from seeing, like, half-naked furry wedding with all these fat, like, creepy people. They're just the, the underlings of the internet. I don't like seeing that shit at all, but I follow it because it's like a mental reminder of, oh, no more. That's disturbing to you. Yeah, but have you ever wondered why is it so addicting? Yes. Like, do, you, do you know why it's addicting? I have an idea. Do you have an answer? It's more about the studies that have come out, mm -hmm. especially with like our younger generation of ages, like preteens to like 18. And the whole app was designed to be short store, well, short story format. So it's like, you know, 15 seconds to 20 seconds. It's a very easily digestible content that provides a sense of urgency. And so when we get that release of dopamine from one like quick snippet, whether it's a laugh, you know, or, oh, I didn't know that before, like quick information. We want more of it. But you're not retaining anything. You're not, no. No. Unless you do like more research on that specific topic, but you could watch 20 videos. Okay. 20, 15 second videos and probably only remember one. Yeah. That, that to me is a little disturbing. I feel like that's crushing an already short like attention span with youth. And I notice my attention span, I have, a decent amount of attention towards things that I'm really interested and invested in. But that type of information and that feedback loop, that feels like it would hack my focus. Like I, I easily get sucked into something like that where I'm sitting there and then an hour goes by and I'm like, I just watched 30 videos and none of them were useful. Well, you probably watched more than 30 if you're watching in an hour. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, you're watching way more than 30. But what's interesting to me about the way that the app was designed and what's being promoted on the app, the app is a total distraction mm -hmm. for you in your day. And this is any person. Any person that is using the app is getting distracted from their day. What's being promoted and advertised on this app is medication for attention deficit disorder. And I find a lot of irony in that because I feel like these small companies, these small startup companies that are advertising Adderall and Ritalin and Vyvanse and everything ADHD related are capitalizing on an app that is already taking away attention 
And people that use the app know that. Like, you know that it's taking time away. But then to get advertised, oh, do you know how to be more productive in your day? Do you want to get off of social media and just start doing shit? Here's some Ritalin. Here's some Vyvanse. There, there is a crisis there that's happening that is going to affect our younger generation. That has already affected our, our, our generation. 100%. And so I deleted it because I was not feeling good on the app. It was distracting me from whatever I was doing, even if I'm just – even if I'm just going on it and I really don't have like something productive to do and I'm just using it as like my wind down time, I could be doing something better in my day rather than consuming that content. You're consuming other people's content. Right. And it is. It's addicting. It's entertaining. Like, tr- like I literally laugh out loud at some of the TikToks that I, that I watch. Like I literally am like dying laughing. But at the end of the day, like is that really something that I need – in my life when I know that it's long-term just distracting me from being productive in my day-to-day. How many hours do you think you would spend on TikTok daily? Daily, I would say anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. So over the Because I would treat it like I'm watching an episode. Over the of course something. of one year. Well, you're sometimes scrolling on TikTok or Instagram while you're watching a show, right? I do that. It's almost like a game of how many screens can I get in front of my face between the TV and myself. There's like my phone, got my laptop, got my dog. So that's a lot of screens, right? I think the general average for people looking at screens on a daily basis, if you work from home and you do your job for eight hours straight, you're looking at a screen for eight hours, period. And then your break from looking at a screen What are you doing? Are you going to the gym or are you looking at your phone? Are you watching TV? Sometimes you're at the gym looking at your phone. Yeah. And then at night, you know, you get off work. You just want to unwind. You want to do something. What are we doing? We're looking at screens. Mm -hmm. Most of our day is spent with our eyeballs on a screen than out in the real world. We are almost more plugged into virtual reality than we are into reality. And if you live in a major city where you don't have the outdoors like we have, you're kind of fucked. You're going to be looking at a screen for fun for most of the time. And if you're not doing that, what other kind of social fun are you having? Are you going to a bar and drinking? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, how are you getting outside of that? How are you unplugging from that reality? And what behaviors are you doing outside of that? And is it healthy? Is that good for your mental health? Long term, probably not. It's got to be terrible for you and your brain. Yeah, it's really scary to think about, actually. That's kind of fucked. No, it really is. Like, your screen time is not just your phone. It's your laptop. It's the TV. It's what's not being recorded that you don't see. Like, Mm -hmm. even though your phone gives you how much screen time you've had on your phone, it doesn't tell you how much you've been on your laptop how much you've watched TV that day in addition to your phone. And I feel it in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Like my eyes have changed, not because I'm getting older. I think uh, that could be part of it. But I genuinely think because my day really is spent most of the time looking at a screen. I am on my laptop for work most of the freaking day. Mm -hmm. I have to be. Well, I, I love learning and I get sucked into videos and shit like that. 
but I also love reading because I recognize if I have too much screen time, I get like emotionally agitated, genuinely like I'm pissy. Like, I'm just kind of angry. I'm carrying. Well, yeah, I, I get that angst. And, yeah. like, it all comes just, from like, the same place. In, yeah, it all sits inside of you. It's just like, oh, and I don't know, like, what exactly that is. Well, you're tense. You didn't get to release that kind of tension. You weren't out in the real world. You've been so plugged into this world that's not real that the moment that you're like, I get to sit down and actually feel how I'm feeling after all of that. I've just absorbed all of this. That pisses me off. Like, hmm. Mm. People carry that for weeks, for months, for years sometimes. And then they wonder, why can't I focus on anything? Why do I have such a hard time focusing? I know. And this is an advertisement brought to you by Ritalin. I think everybody's attention has shortened over the years that technology has come out. Yeah. Like that that has to just be a fact. Like I, I don't know if that's a fact, but I can say that studies literally show that we have a short attention span. And that's what advertisements on social media capitalize on. You know what studies also show? The harder it was to see boobs, the more effective people were at creating things. When the internet and pornography came out and that immediate access to boobs happened, the amount of innovation from men tanked. Like, think about that. Think about how many brilliant products come out from the general population as much as they did in like the 80s and before that, the 70s, the 60s, the 50s. People were coming up with inventions and innovations all the time. They were trying to get patents. They were trying to get shit going. That was a way to get like social collateral, right? That's where people respected you. You were a thinker. You were a creator. You were doing something. But I feel like that immediate access to not just sex, but like dopamine in general, right? You're getting information. You're getting all these things. You're so overwhelmed that your creativity shrinks down to nothing because you're consuming. You're so focused on consumption that you're not thinking about how can I better myself and how can I bring more to the table to be more attractive to a mate because you don't have to do that anymore. Now it's just show up to your job, make some money, find somebody who you like a little bit and like, oh, maybe we're compatible. Maybe it'll work out. But it's not this like, oh, I've got this big strong man. He's so innovative and creative and like just protecting financially he's providing something not a whole lot of people provide something there's a lot of bullshit jobs too i wonder if there is a relation (laughs) between men that watch porn and men that don't watch porn and whether or not like they're creating or have yeah if they're creative or producing or happy in life Mm. i definitely think there would be a correlation between the amount of porn watched by men and how happy they are i think the more they consume like the more you're just juicing the dopamine out of your brain the more it's hitting that pleasure receptor but it's not real so that's where you get like these incels right you know what an incel stands for Mm -hmm. somebody who's involuntarily celibate unfuckable It's the scientific terminology for the unfuckable. The gross person that nobody wants to have sex with, he's not attractive to a mate. That's an incel. I think there's a direct correlation between the amount of pornography that you consume, what you provide to the world, how valuable you are, how good you feel about yourself, your mental health, your physical health. I feel like all of that's tied into it. And the more you do it, the lower you fall on all of those scales, I think. 
maybe there's some like super successful porn addicts out there and when you don't see them in the bathroom jerking off like they're also creating microsoft like bill gates <laughs> bill gates could be micro hard i don't know <laughs> i don't know that was that was a long loop i was getting kind of lost in that but i do think there's a correlation between that and i i think if we were able to track that on a chart from innovations not just by men but by women too oh yeah innovations pornography access i think you would see pornography access go up innovation go down and the people who happen to not consume as much seem to be creating and doing more shit just an idea how do we create a study like that that's a social experiment i'm really interested in. i know i'm really interested in it too maybe the porn industry can fund it that would be kind of cool. Like, hey, do you guys want to do something valuable besides bus nuts? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just producing semen, how about <laughs> we bring value to the world? <laughs> Porn for Make a cause. Make the world a little bit more productive. Porn for a cause. Porn for productivity. Porn for productivity! <gasps> wow. Interesting. Did we just stumble upon a billion dollar idea? We need to trademark that. Only fiends. That's a weird thing to think about, and it makes me uncomfortable because everywhere at every second, somebody is jerking off. As every word that comes out of my mouth, there is one nut being busted, at least. There's billions of people in this world. Somebody's coming right now. You want to know another creepy statistic about that? It's more likely that somebody is jerked off to the image of you than not. I don't want to talk about that anymore. I don't either. It's making me really <laughs> uncomfortable. I think going back to the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got into a little bit of a hole there. <laughs> I think going back to like just the, the ADHD promotion that I've been seeing on TikTok. Oh my God. Um, and just like the social apps in general are such a distraction. And all of our attention has gone down because of it. Mm -hmm. To see such increase in prescription for ADHD and certain mental illnesses, depression, anxiety, instead of everyone normalizing anxiety and depression and all of these different mental health issues, why are we not looking at what's fucking causing it? Like why, why I, I feel like it is more normal to be like, Oh, that gives me anxiety. And I am definitely guilty of saying that. And I'm, and I've, I've had anxiety in my life. Anxiety is real. It's, it's very real. But you know what? After I got my IUD out, I have had such a decrease in my anxiety. Mm -hmm. And nobody has talked about how birth control even gives the side effect of anxiety for and women. Depression and, and depression. And like shitty matchmaking when it comes to mates. Yeah, just like... I feel like those are things that need to be talked about when I like I feel so much better not being on my IUD. So you touched on a really important topic that I do think there is an answer to it. Like, why is there so much advertisement around anxiety and depression and so much focus on the social apps there? Well, it's also like, why are we not getting to the root cause? Because there's no money in the root cause. Anxiety and depression are naturally occurring feelings within the human psyche. It's part of the human experience that we all should and could go through at some point. To what extent? Varies person to person, but there's a necessity for it. Like anxiety comes from future planning. Am I going to have food for tomorrow? Do I need to be worried about a predator snatching 
me. Yeah, the, I feel like there's a healthy amount of anxiety. Yes. I think there's... It's when it gets misdirected. Right. I there's a shortage of Adderall right now. Did you know that? No. Too many goddamn people are taking it. We cannot get enough Adderall in the country. And it comes from China. There you go. Look it up. It's a real thing. Wait, Adderall comes from China? Over 70% of prescription pills and just prescriptions in general are manufactured in China. Same thing with fentanyl. That's a weird little fun fact. You can Google it. It makes a lot of people uncomfortable. That rose to the surface during the pandemic. was like, oh, we have a problem with shipping because we're worried about you know this disease that might kill what we thought would be millions, potentially a billion people. And that cut off certain supply chains for a period of time. And all of a sudden we realized we can't get medication because we produce it somewhere where it's far cheaper, where there's, you know, we don't have to worry about chemicals as much. They do. That's their problem. But when you, like, outsource that kind of really critical just societal infrastructure, like medication, that's a huge gap. That's a huge problem. So if China just decided, yeah, we're kind of done. Like, we could make money, but we can also just sell all of our medical wares to the rest of the world. Screw you guys. We'd be fucked. That's crazy. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes me even happier that I deleted TikTok, to be completely honest, because I feel like that app and what it's been promoting, and I know you said you've seen it on Instagram. I personally have not seen it as much as I have on TikTok. Ads for ADHD medication. Yeah. So many startups, and they all have like these, I almost feel like, what if they're all the same parent company? I would. And they just created like, all these sub companies under it and are just doing massive ads through all these different names, but it really is like leading back to one fucking parent company. Like I can totally see that happening. Well, if you had, and what doctors are signing up for this? Like, here's another part about that. These are not primary care doctors that are giving you medication. You can sign up, get evaluated and then go pick up your prescription by a doctor who doesn't know your history. Same thing with who doesn't marijuana back in the 90s. Right, but... They were doctor feel-goods. But yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, these doctors don't follow up with you on this medication that now they're prescribing to you on a monthly basis. They don't follow up with you because they're not your primary care doctor. And they're not asking how it's actually... Is it helping you? Is this making you feel better? Do you know about the pill mills in Florida? Or the Oxycontin Express? No. That's completely related to it. So I want to say it was in the 90s or 2000s. Pain medication, opiates in general, were not very well regulated. And oxycodone, oxycodone, all these different oxys were easily prescribable from Dr. Feelgoods. Doctors started getting kickbacks from companies very similar to Pfizer. I don't know if Pfizer was one of them. Whoever manufactures like oxycodone and all these different types of pills um, would give doctors kickbacks for prescriptions. And so, oh, Kenzie, you broke your arm. I'm sorry to hear that that hurts. I'm going to prescribe you 60 Oxycontin. Go pick it up at the pharmacy. Guess what? The pharmacy is also right next door. Okay. And you could go to Dr. Mike. And when you're done, you get your prescription filled from Dr. Mike. You go to Dr. John and Dr. Matt, and you keep bouncing around. And the next thing you know, You've got 16 years supply of Oxycontin, and you're not going to take all that. Maybe your kids got into it, okay? Maybe they're selling it because the money to resell it was so high. Well, that's what's happening right now. 
That's what happened with Adderall. It's directly connected because doctors were getting paid to prescribe Ritalin to our age group. When we were coming up in like first, second grade is when my friends started getting put on Ritalin. And I watched it change them. They went from like these super rambunctious, outgoing kids with so much personality to fucking zombies. Like just pilled out like, yeah, I really like that. Mm -hmm. That's a six-year-old. Oh, that makes me so sick to my stomach. So... Oh, it makes me so sad. It really does. Those unregulated pill mills got cracked down on after people got horrifically addicted to all these different opiates. And you see it now in, like, Appalachia. If you go, like, Ohio, West Virginia, that whole area, horrifically impacted by opiates. Like, that entire area, all the way down that belt. And it starts in Florida. Isn't that crazy? Wow. So they did the same thing with Adderall. Well, yeah, well, it, that's what's happening right now. Like the New York Post, the article that I was reading about all of this said that the small startup companies that are advertising on TikTok specifically, and because TikTok has very loose regulations when it comes to promoting drugs. Only in the U.S., by the way. China is completely different regulations for their people. Right. And it's their app. Yeah, no, it's, it's all, I mean... It's being highly targeted towards U.S. population right now. These, like, at this Adderall, Ritalin, Vyvanse, like, all of these different prescriptions are not being regulated on the patent level. That doesn't sound accurate. I think they're very well regulated on the patent level because there's money there. That's where Uncle Sam gets his little fingers in and goes, oh, you have a patent here. We get to tax that. Every sale on it, we get to tax that. Not on the patent level. I think you're talking about on the brand level. Where if Kenzie Corp decided that you're going to have five different, like, Mind Bloom, Better Help, Behavioral Help, Mind Focus. You have five different supplement companies, five different therapy companies, and they can all prescribe Adderall. You're getting that kickback, right? If you have an agreement with whatever, like, Adderall, Ritalin, Vyvanse, whatever company that is. And they benefit from the, the sale of that. They profit from it. You profit from the sale of connecting them to that. You're brokering a deal. I have somebody with attention deficit disorder. I can prescribe them your medication. You get paid. There's I get paid. one certain app, and I forget the name of it, but the New York Post was saying that this certain app is not regulating the patents hmm. for, for what they're offering on the app. So the medication that they're offering is not being, like, checked, essentially. So you don't know if you're getting real pills? Yeah, I mean, basically, like y- it's not um, like well-known brands that you would know of, like Ritalin or Vyvanse or Adderall. It's different types of brands. But it's not over-the-counter medication like Tylenol versus... No. Okay. The amount of adults that are on Adderall in the professional workplace is very concerning. Oh, I know. I I see it even in my own workplace. Like I, again, like if if those people need it, and have talked to their doctor, and it is right for them. I'm not saying not to take it, but I know a lot of people that abuse it, mm-hmm. and I and and that don't need it. It just makes me nervous because I the stories that I've also heard of people that were our age, like you're talking about, you know, that six year old kid that you saw change before your eyes. Mm-hmm. I was listening to this like fashion blogger person that I follow on Instagram and she was, she's very open about her use of Adderall 
and when she was prescribed and she was like the same way like just a very bubbly outgoing rambunctious kid like just very hyperactive and the doctor at the age of 12 started giving her 60 milligrams of Vyvanse every single day a 12 year old a 12 year old a 12 year old girl 60 milligrams of Vyvanse every single day she took that for till she was 24 she developed a tolerance to that as well that also she said during during that entire time she was because what what that medication does to you it, it also um, limits your appetite mm-hmm. and for her she was highly productive so on let's it pause for one moment you know what it is Adderall it's meth it's an amphetamine it's not methamphetamine but chemically it's analogous to methamphetamine so it's medically regulated and produced amphetamines next to meth go on okay <laughs> People need to know that. That's important. Yeah. Okay. Well, going forward. So she said during that time, she took it every single day, 60 milligrams. Sometimes she would even take more if she felt like she needed to take more that day. But 60 milligrams a day for, what was she? So 12 to 24. So that's 12 years. She said that she, you know, had lost weight. Like she had a really hard time gaining weight because she wasn't really eating She developed an eating disorder because she was also on the cheer team and she was always complimented for how skinny she looked and how thin she was. And, um, and so it just encouraged her to take more of it. She was like, well, it's, it's this, like it literally limits my appetite. And so it started to develop this eating disorder, this body dysmorphia for her. She said at the age of 24, she was on a flight. I think she was going from Nashville to LA because she, um, at that point lived in Nashville and she started to feel like sweats coming on. She started to just have some anxiety and she was drinking on the plane. Um, not a lot. She just said she had one drink, but she was drinking. Um, obviously was still taking her medication and she full on blacked out and had a heart attack at 24, at 24 years old. She did not know that she had a heart attack at that time, but she literally had turned to the person next to her and was like, I'm not well and like blacked out after that. And so, yeah, like it was just a very traumatic moment for her. So anyway, she goes flying on planes and you're sitting next to that. And that's what you see. Like maybe it's your first or second time flying. You're like, I hate flying. Yeah. I don't fly. And then this chick next to you blacks out and has a fucking heart attack on the plane. You're just like, well, I'm done. And this girl, she said, she's like, I would be so honest with you guys. Like, I was not on any other stimulants. I was not taking anything, like, no other medications, nothing else. Like, it was strictly. It was just that. That. Okay. And um, so, anyway, she goes to her doctor or to the hospital, and they say she had a heart attack. And she was like, holy shit. And they said that it wasn't her freaking Vyvanse, <laughs> they still encouraged her to take her Vyvanse. And what she she it knew was? it was her medication. Yeah, what did they say? What 24-year-old has a heart attack and blacks out? Yeah, I don't know. Hearing that story was just so mind-opening for me because she's even someone who's like, you know, I'm, I'm not saying stop your medication if you're taking it, but she's like, I was taking 60 milligrams for 12 years, every single day, mm-hmm. every single day. That's a long And so long now time. she's completely off of it. She's 28 years old. 
she's completely off her medication and she's like, I embrace my hyperactiveness. Um, I embrace the moments when I do get distracted. I, I, it makes me who I am and I'm way more creative off of it. Mm -hmm. So I am definitely not one to like encourage people because, you know, to get off their medication or anything like that. But what that, that story tells me is that there are alternative solutions to ADHD. Mm -hmm. I also think, because I'm not pro-medicating children, I do think that there are certain, like, what would you call ADHD? Like, when you have an attention deficit disorder or ADD, what would you call that? Because it's not a mental illness. Is that like a, a mental... I wouldn't even call it a disability because it seems like those people have different types of abilities and they plug into society and they have a place. You need somebody with autism who's hyper fixated on like one thing and they're really fucking good at that one thing because that's how people figure out how to do aqueducts. That's how you figure out how to get shit transported from city to city. Like you're not interested in how do I make manufacturing that much more efficient so that we can get a little bit faster and faster. We need those types of people. And when you medicate them, we lose those types of people. Yeah. They numb out. They zombie out. They kind of lose I've heard that it bug. firsthand of yeah. someone who has told me when they take it, they feel like a zombie. Mm -hmm. Like it, 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 and they, you know, said they needed it and they were prescribed it and they needed it. Yes. You know, you know why they needed it? Because putting a six-year-old in a seat for six to eight hours a day and telling them to look forward and listen to a lecture that's not entertaining or engaging to them, they have a really hard time sitting still and paying attention. Yeah. Because that shit's boring. Nobody wants and to And things that bore me, yeah. I fucking zone out so quick. Yeah. Like, if I am not interested in a topic, bye. Like You do that to me. I Yes. Mid-conversation, <laughs> you will. the lights are on and no one's home. You're just, uh, wait, what were you saying? And I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> But I don't want to prescribe you Adderall. I don't think you need to focus because at that point it goes, oh, what I was saying, you checked out. That shit was boring. But I wonder if like people that are in the workplace that are like, oh, I need it to work. Like, wow, I never I never knew I had it before, but it's coming up in my work. It's like, are you bored yes, at work? Probably. Like, what are you doing for work? Is it mentally stimulating you? Uh, I'd Not like just that, but also what if being up for 12 plus hours and just hammering ideas because that's what Adderall will do sometimes to you. If that's part of your job and you are mentally stimulated, I can totally see you justifying taking that, not because you have an attention deficit, but because you want that extra energy, that extra focus, that abuse potential is so high. Yeah. Because it comes with a value. You can make extra money going, okay, I have this idea. I have multiple ideas and I want to stay up for 16 hours and talk to you about it and we're going to hammer out this idea. Boom. Okay. We figured out aqueducts. Like, those people exist in our society and we pretend that that doesn't exist, but like wall street in the seventies and eighties and nineties and currently filled with cocaine. And when Adderall hit the scene, do you think they just ignored that? They're like, you're telling me I don't have to snort something in the bathroom every five minutes. I can just take one of these and be good and still do blasts in the bathroom at lunch. That's who runs our fucking financial system in the country. Those people make decisions whether your company goes up, goes down, how it does on the stock market. They buy, they sell. That is what they do. And we pretend they're not animals. Well, to be honest, like, the ads that are coming out, 
it's more that they're promoting that this drug is a performance enhancer mm-hmm. rather than um, something that you need to medicate. And now that I'm like thinking about it like that, it honestly should just be promoted as a performance enhancer and people can take it, you know, on their, on their own. will. this is a free country. So like, you know, do what your heart desires, whatever, but to prescribe someone to take that shit every day, for a child. I do not believe in. Yeah. That's the thing. I am not a doctor and I do believe in everybody's right to do what they want with their body. I understand like if you've got something going on and you're like, I need this to focus because I'm just all over the place and I can get nothing done. I don't fall into that hyper fixated category. I'm scattered. I get that. But I think that you as like a consenting and informed adult should be able to make that decision and go, this is going to enhance my performance. Like, why does it have to be prescribed to a child? Especially when the setting makes so much sense on a logical field of like, don't put a small child who is learning about the world and like in one seat for eight hours and tell them to look forward and listen. That's not how you build a human. That's not how you engage a human and like, hey, you want to learn something? Yeah. Doesn't work that way. So that's why I'm anti. I'm anti-medicating in that fashion. But if you want to medicate yourself, do whatever you want, as long as it doesn't impact me. Yeah. That's my soapbox. I want to end with this. Okay. <laughs> I want to clarify, because we do have friends out there that have been prescribed Adderall Vivance and who are na- and who are now <laughs> prescribed that. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, you know, like them hearing this, like I don't want them to to think that I'm saying that what they're doing is bad. I think that there is just a larger population out there that is being misdiagnosed. Yeah. And the doctors that are part of these small companies, I don't know if they're credible. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know if they're all U.S. doctors. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what like how people are just getting this medication willy-nilly. <laughs> They get it willy and nilly. <laughs> that's the problem I have. <laughs> but I, I, I want to clarify that I'm not a doctor, clearly. So if, if you are feeling those symptoms of ADHD and you feel like you need to be medicated, you're obviously, you need to go to your doctor and figure that out. I'm saying that with these mass ads that I am seeing on TikTok or have seen on TikTok, there is a large population out there that is being prescribed something that they do not need. And there are alternative solutions that can actually help them mentally long-term. Because I, what I would want to know is how many people are prescribed Adderall because they, they're like, I can't focus, I can't focus, so I, I need Adderall. And then they have anxiety, and, they, and then they have to be prescribed anxiety medication. And then they get depressed because that's a side effect from anxiety medication. And now they're on three medications that they really did not need. And maybe it's, maybe it's another mental health issue that they're going through that really needed to be diagnosed by their primary care physician. How many people out there are going through that? 25% of the U.S. population, to be exact, according to the CDC. <laughs> Wait, really? One in four people in the U.S. population has a diagnosable mental health issue. 
It could be an attention deficit. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. One in four. See, that to me is... Here's the thing, though. Oh, One in four so is diagnosable. Wild. One in five is prescribed. 20%. And that adds up. I would actually say that more of my friends are on prescription medication for one thing or another than not. Yeah. So I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be and I don't want to be. I just, I do believe there's alternative, or not even, sorry. I do believe that there's alternative solutions for our mental health. I just, I encourage people to do research before getting into a long-term medication that could ultimately do more damage than good. So with that, Maverick is whining in the background. That's our scientist sign off. Yeah. <laughs> Sayonara, you meth addicts. <laughs>